Well, good morning. My name is Jason, one of the pastors here at Community Church, and I am really glad that each and every one of you is here today. I want to take a moment and um, pray for those in um, Turkey and Syria this morning. So would you, would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning, and our hearts break for those who are suffering so much. Just can't imagine the grief and the pain. We ask, Lord, that you would be with those who are suffering, those who are fighting for their lives, those who are grieving. Would you bring comfort? We pray also, Lord, that you would be with those who are involved in relief and rescue. Would you give them extra strength today? And Lord, as we think about the geographical places, uh, there are places that are mentioned uh, in your word. Think of um, the ancient city of Antioch in Turkey where followers of Christ were first called Christians. May your light shine in dark places of pain this morning. May your hope triumph over all. And Father, as we come to you now in this place, we ask that you would open up our eyes to the truth of your word. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and our guide. I ask that my words are clear and they're true and they're helpful. Burn off whatever doesn't do those things. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, I have a question for you. Not who's going to win some game here this afternoon. (laughs) Do you have a faith that wrestles? Do you have a faith that wrestles with God? Some of you, even as you think about the events of, in Turkey and Syria, you, you wrestle with questions. How does this stuff happen? Maybe you have deep intellectual questions. Maybe some of you, you have questions about your circumstances and you're wrestling through difficult things. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's medical, maybe it's relational, but you are wrestling in some way through something difficult. And whatever the outward circumstance may be, there's a deeper wrestling with God. That's what we're going to focus our attention on this morning. As TJ mentioned, we are in a series, and we're actually wrapping up our series in founding faith. We've been looking at uh, the great patriarch Abraham and his own faith story, and we've seen this gap between the calling and promise of God, and even as we sang, to trust and obey, that there's a faith gap in that process. As we followed Abraham through a few episodes of his journey, we've seen this faith gap. And we said that last week that 
there can be a testing. There can be an opportunity to see every test as an opportunity to transfer trust to God. This morning, though, we'll see that there are, there's a, a process, there's a transformation process that requires something more. That we can't simply snap our fingers and change our minds or our wills. We actually need to wrestle through something. And we're going to learn this morning from one of the great stories of Genesis, one of the great stories, one of the most profound, provocative, and even complicated stories of Jacob wrestling with God. I want to give you a little backstory, catch you up on Jacob's faith story, and then we'll dive in and make a few applications. So Jacob would be the grandson of Abraham. Last week, Abraham is, is, is called to sacrifice. God relents. Isaac will give birth. I mean, not Isaac. His wife will give birth. And in her womb, there's a struggle. Twin boys, Jacob and Esau. Even in the womb, there is a struggle. Esau will come out first, and Jacob will be literally grabbing the heel of his brother. And there's this prophecy that the mom, Rebecca, will receive that the older will serve the younger. So in many ways, this is a tale of two sons. Esau will become his father's favorite. He is hairy. He came out of the womb hairy. That's why he's called Esau. Jacob is more smooth-skinned. Esau will be the favorite of his father. He will be an outdoorsman, a hunter. Jacob will be the favorite of his mother. He will like to stay at home, stay in the tents. And there is conflict between the two sons. Now, it's a complicated story. I want to give you a few of the highlights. There's a particular time when uh, Esau is out hunting and he's famished and he comes in and he will trade his birthright for a pot of tasty stew that Jacob has cooked. There'll be a later time when their father Isaac is now old and Jacob with the help of his mother will deceive his brother Esau out of the birthright. He will actually go out and cook his father some game and bring it to him, and he will be disguised as his brother Esau. He will put on goat skin so he smells like his brother, so his hairy arms are like his brother's. And his father will actually give him the blessing. The blessing that should have rightfully gone to the firstborn will go to Jacob. And as you might imagine, this causes some family drama. Esau says, I will come back and I will kill him someday. So Jacob will be on the run and he will go to Uncle Laban's. And another complicated story, the trickster will be tricked by Laban a few times. And along the way, he will marry Leah and Rachel. 
He'll serve 14 years. Uh, the Lord somehow will, will give him material blessing. But there comes a point where Jacob will leave Laban. And he'll be called to come back home. But to come back home is to face his brother. 20 years have passed. And Jacob has to confront his brother. That's where our story is as we learn about Jacob wrestling with God. I want to take you to Genesis 32. We'll pick up uh, the narrative in verse 6. Jacob has come back with his 11 sons, a daughter and his whole, all of his flocks. Verse 6, when the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau and now he is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, in the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spent the night there, and from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. He put them in the care of his servants, each herd by itself, and said to his servants, go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. He instructed the one in the lead, when my brother Esau meets you and asks, who do you belong to and where are you going, and who owns all these animals in front of you, then you are to say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my Lord Esau, and he is coming behind us. He also instructed the second, the third, and all the others who followed the herds, you are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I am sending on ahead. Later when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said to him, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God 
and with humans and overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Jacob's wrestling face, faith, want us to make a few observations about Jacob's strange wrestling match. A few things that we can note. First of all, Jacob stops running and starts praying. He stops running and he starts praying. We can see this literally. He is alone and he is thanking God for what he has given him and asking for his protection. I am unworthy of the kindness and faithfulness you have shown me, says Jacob. Even in this moment, prior to the wrestling match, we will see a, the beginning of a change in Jacob. The one who has run from his uncle, from his brother, has stopped and said, I will pray. Why does he pray? Because he's at the end of his rope. He doesn't have a choice. He can't go back to Laban. That's a whole other story. He's got to confront Esau, 400 men, no match. Now, Jacob's got a lot of wealth, but no match for Esau's 400. As he comes, he is depending on the Lord to rescue him. Save me. So Jacob stops running and he starts praying. He also stops scheming for himself and starts pursuing God. He stops scheming for himself and starts pursuing God. Throughout his life, Jacob has deceived, he has cheated, he has lied to get his way. But that has come to an end. He has literally falsified his identity. Imagine what it would take to go to your dad and pretend to be your brother to receive the blessing from God. Imagine the character or lack of character to do that. Imagine where your heart and your mind would have to be But now he has no place else to turn. And God will respond to this prayer with his mysterious presence. I wish I had an absolute definitive answer to the question, who exactly is wrestling with Jacob? Let's talk about that for just a moment. It's fascinating to me. The God of the universe would wrestle with a man. One of the best, actually the best place to go for a commentary on the Bible is the Bible. This is what the prophet Hosea says. 
In the womb, he grasped his brother's heel, talking about Jacob. As a man, he struggled with God. He struggled with the angel and overcame him. He wept and begged for his favor. He found him at Bethel and talked with him there. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. Jacob is wrestling with God. Jacob will say that he saw God face to face. Hosea will say literally the Lord is his name. I want you to imagine that for just a moment. We don't have to overthink it and go down all the deep theology we could could go to to answer that. But just imagine that moment to be wrestling with the presence of God. Now, God gives him two things. He gives Jacob a new pain and a new name. A new pain and a new name. The angel, the presence of God touches the socket of his hip and he will walk with a limp the rest of his life. Now, I I try to imagine this wrestling match for a minute. God is omnipotent, all-powerful. Jacob is not. But there's something in this struggle. I don't know if I believe this, but, but one, one message I was listening to on this compared it to like uh, professional wrestling. I know I got some true believers in here, so I'll just mention that. But it's almost as if it's, it's, it's a pretend thing at any moment God could do whatever God wants to do. I don't know if that's exactly it, but there's something going on here where the presence of God, the angel, could do whatever he wants to do. But somehow, he is wrestling with Jacob. A touch of the socket of a hip and he will limp the rest of his life. Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And the angel of the Lord says, what is your name? What is your name? Jacob, heel grabber, that's what the name means, deceiver, schemer, no longer, no longer, you are no longer Jacob, you are Israel, you have a new name. You're not the deceiver. Now you are one who strives with God. And it is from Jacob, from Israel, that the 12 tribes will come. Next week we'll start a a new four-week series about one of those sons, Joseph. Now, as we've been pursuing these faith stories We focused on the idea that these are wonderful stories in and of themselves, but they point to something even greater, that they're a signpost to Jesus. This is a particularly interesting story that points to Jesus. Some commentators will go so far as to say that the one wrestling with Jacob is Jesus himself. That it's what's known as a Christophany, literally the presence of Christ right there. 
We cannot say that definitively, but that's an intriguing thought. Regardless, it is God working with Jacob. Colossians says that uh, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So somehow this, this wrestler makes the invisible visible. And as we look at this signpost that points us to Jesus, we remember too that Jesus would wrestle. We said last week that Jesus wrestled in the garden. That he wrestled and ultimately said, not my will, but yours be done. The Apostle Paul helps us understand this. I want to take you to a passage in Philippians 2, verse 5. And I want you to notice this language. Paul says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, grabbed. The old King James says, thought it robbery, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul helps us answer this question with another passage. I want to take you to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8, and let's look at Paul's wrestling match for a moment. The Apostle Paul is in conflict with his church at Corinth. He's not as impressive as some of the other people, and they're looking down on him, and they're looking down on Paul because of the trials he's faced. And Paul says that the Lord has given him a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what this thorn is. But he says this, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why do we wrestle? Why do we wrestle? Well, it's a mirror to our hearts. Here's the bottom line I want to leave you with. God is present with you in your pain. God is present with you in your pain, and yet your pain reveals God's presence. God is present with you in your pain. Whatever you're going through, he is with you. And your pain reveals God's presence. And God is shaping you to share through your scars. He is shaping you 
to share through your scars. I want you to consider this idea for a moment. As we've been looking at different stories about founding faith, I want to give us a few minutes to reflect and pray. I want to give you some concrete opportunities to do that, but I want to give you one just quick practical example of that. I want you to think about whatever wrestling you're doing with God right now. I was reminded of this, uh, have the opportunity to check in with uh, my adult sons every, every week. We do a little, little call. Quick parenting advice. I have 30 seconds on this. Okay, parents out there, uh, when your kids are young, you better, you better be available because you never know when the quality time is going to come. When they get older, you got to schedule it. <laughs> That's just the way it is. It's one thing I've learned. But we're having this call, and they're both uh, in commercial real estate, which is wonderful when the economy is great. Not so much when it's not. You know how I pray for my boys? When, when they got their great jobs, and all, it's wonderful. But I said, you know, God, bring some struggle in their life. Bring some struggle. I, I, I kid you not. I, I don't want everything to be rainbows and unicorns and perfect. Because what happens when that occurs? I got this, right? I pray for a little struggle. Well, they're going through a little struggle right now, which is great. I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. And with one of them, we happen to be studying the book of James, which starts off with this idea, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because that develops perseverance in your life. But there is a wrestling through struggle that is critical in our transformation, because there is transformation that requires something more than simply a change of mind or a change of will. Now, I want to give you a few moments this morning to reflect. We don't often do that. We're going we're to play a little instrumental underneath. I want to give you an opportunity to reflect. It was interesting on the uh, last week we handed out a little survey on, on spiritual formation. And many said this, there's, where, where it says, I want to grow spiritually, really high. Who doesn't want to grow spiritually? But I have great confidence in how, not as high. So there's a gap between the, the want to and the know, I, I know how to. So I want to give you just a little bit of practice this morning. There's all kinds of ways you can get help in this. We've got a core beliefs class coming up. We've got a you know, grandparenting class. Uh, there's opportunities to serve. We need a next generation. We, we need men and women who can step, stand in the gap and help our kids and our parents out by serving. These are all wonderful opportunities where you can take a step of growth. This week I've got a, a, a prayer card for you, and on one side it's got the prayer on the other, it's got a little fill-in-the-blank guide on how you can grow this week. Simple. Take a step. But we want to give you a few minutes this morning in the service to reflect and pray. I don't know about you, but my life is really busy. And it's hard to just slow down sometimes. 
before the next thing. And in this moment, we want to give you a few moments to reflect. Maybe you've, as you've heard God's word through the messages of this series, as you think about your own wrestling, three questions we've asked in this series I'd invite you to reflect on. What is God showing you? How is God shaping you? And with whom is God leading you to share? So this is what I would invite you to do for just a few minutes here. You can bow your head, you can pray, you can reflect, listen to the Holy Spirit. But here's the other thing I want you to know this morning. One of the great things about being a part of a church is you're part of a family. And you don't have to wrestle, you don't have to struggle alone. So this morning, in the back, we've got a couple tables. We'll have some men and women in the back and and up top, people who would love to pray with you this morning. Whatever struggle you've got, whatever wrestling you're going through right now, they would love to pray with you this morning. So we're going to take a few minutes this morning, and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit simply to be with us as we reflect. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're real and you're present. Guide our hearts now as we reflect. If you would lead us, Lord, to get up out of our seats and go in the back and pray, would you do that now and remind us that we're not alone. We have you and we have each other. Guide us as we reflect, Holy Spirit.